listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lee Chia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert. And I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And this will be yet another interesting show because the name of the book is... Dan and Mike's Guide to Men, 10 Secrets Every Woman Should Know from Two Guys That Do. And we're going to find out, um, well, the reason why men cheat and whether women can prevent it. And also, how to uh, talk to men so that you will get information out of them. Information they would not normally uh, volunteer, shall we say. So let me bring on my guest. Um, there are two authors, but only one of them is on the line today. And I have Mike Lindstrom. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Hey. And, uh, of course, the other author is Dan Lear. And both are well-respected coaches. They've been coaching both men and women in business and in life and speaking about success for a combined total of 30 years. They've been featured on several media outlets, including Fox News, ABC News, HLN, CNN, and my favorite, The Howard Stern Show. And uh, <laughs> and the website is askdanandmike.com. Okay, so how did the two of you decide to write this book? Oh, boy, that's, uh, that's a great story, actually. Uh, Dan and I uh, came up in the corporate world in personal development. We both were uh, hail from Tony Robbins. Uh, both Dan and I were speakers and coaches for Tony's company mm-hmm. out of San Diego. And we, we did that for a number of years. We both... Uh, went out on our own and started our own practices, respectively. He's out of Vegas. I'm in Scottsdale. And we work with high-end clients, professionals, CEOs, high-end salespeople, athletes, celebrities. And, you know, we're really good friends on top of it. I consider Dan a mentor. But over the years, we would compare notes on our coaching clients. And the one theme that, you know, we kept hearing about was the communication issues that people had in their relationships. So, you know, here we are being hired seemingly to help a business take it to the next level or have a saleswoman hire us to learn skills to make more money. But you have a confidential coaching relationship with these people, and they start divulging their their challenges. And one of the biggest challenges that people have is the relationships they have with other people. So that inspired us to put our two heads together, did the research, uh, on men, uh, kind of a covert operation, Lucia, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and then we wrote, we put the book together. It took us about uh, about a year and a half to actually write. We did it, we did several years of research, um, and then uh, the book came out just this past, uh, just at the end of 2010. What do you mean a covert operation? You didn't tell uh, people you were asking them questions for a book? Well, sometimes we did and sometimes we didn't. Oh. Uh, Dan being in Vegas, uh, he has he had a unique strategy, and I had a, a, my own unique strategy. What we would um, I, I work at a, a club here in Scottsdale, and I spend a lot of time after my workouts in the steam room, you know, of course, with other men. Mm-hmm. So I would sit there and I'd listen to guys. It became my homework assignment. I'm, I'm a guy who carries a journal everywhere I go. 
So I would literally get out of a 15-minute steam, and I would go in and I would write down all the things out here. You know, what, what guys were thinking about, the weekend warrior stories, you know, single guys that are struggling out there in 2011, navigating Facebook, Twitter. And, you know, Dan would go to Vegas. He would go, you know, have a beer at a casino bar, and he'd sit there and listen to people talk, and he would just strike up conversations. And people were just so willing to downpour those kind of issues. So every once in a while, of course, you get caught with, you know, so why are you asking these questions? And, of course, we always tell them, you know, we're putting that research together for a book. Um, so some of our best material came uh, kind of uh, on the covert side. But we did do a lot of panel work and um, seminar work where we actually had people come in and, and, and where they knew they were being surveyed for a book. But our best came from our covert operation. Wonderful. My favorite. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's dig right into it. At the beginning of the book, yep. you talk about taming the tiger. So what do you mean by that? Oh, boy. You know, it's, that's so funny. We actually, um, thanks to all the, the single women out there, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I was, I was hell-bent. Uh, when we were putting the book together, Tiger Woods scandal was going on. I mean, actually, it just broke November of that year. And I, I came up with the title, Tame the Tiger Within. That was the original title of the book. Oh. Well, we did several surveys, and we put six different book titles on, uh, I mean, thousands of women. And that book title ranked last. Wow. <laughs> and the women would comment and said anytime they heard the word tiger, they heard of, they thought of icky things, cheating, yeah. negativity. And so we did another survey and we said, okay, ladies, since you didn't like what we came up with, why don't you help us title the book? And they helped us come up with a book simply, Men. And that was the, the official title of the book, Men. So when we came up with Tame, Tame the Tiger Within, we didn't want to throw away the principles because we had written a lot of the things around that every single man has this uh, thing inside of him that we, that we playfully call the tiger. You know, it's kind of a double-edged uh, meaning. You know, tiger as in tiger cheating, tiger mm -hmm. as in there's this thing inside of us where men have an inclination to want to go be with other women, whether they're in a relationship or they're dating. So what we want to do is empower women to learn how to tame this tiger that men have with inside of them. And that's really what the book is meant to do is give women communication strategies and tips on how to get guys to talk about uh, things like the F word, feelings, mm. um, things that they don't like talking about, and things that, quite frankly, men are just not, um, they're not well-schooled in how to discuss. So that's kind of how, it, that was the genesis of Taming the Tiger. <laughs> so instead of a whip in a chair, we're using uh, knowledge. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And we're actually in, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, during the interview, you know, the skills that, that Dan and I are trained in, neurolinguistics, is actually a, it's a science. And a lot of people don't know that science. So we wanted to take that communication skill and put it into relationships so we could help single ladies, whether they're, you know, on a date, whether they're in a relationship, they're dating, and they want to get guys to communicate more openly about the things that they struggle with. And that's the one thing that we really want as a big takeaway of the book is to empower communication so women can draw those things out of men better. Right. Well, we'll definitely talk about NLP in just a few yep. minutes. Uh, but let me start first with uh, sexpectations. What is that? Sexpectations. So one thing that's easy to do is to quantify things like on a zero to ten scale. What Dan and I do in our live events is we will get people to talk about things through a zero to ten. So we'd say, okay, how many ladies in here, let's say at a live event, have a sexual appetite of say level 10 they want it all the time they just they're they're prone that way and you get people to raise their hand and we have we take them all the way down the scale inevitably what you'll see is you have women all the way that are on the high end a level 10 that have a high expectation around sex and what their uh, appetite is and you have women all the way down on the low scale so now 
you take a woman and you stick her in a relationship, whether she, and she's dating, and the man has his own scale on a zero to ten. So what we want to get people to do, in, especially in the dating dance, and when they start, uh, you know, becoming involved in a relationship, is to have communication early on around sex expectations. How often do you expect sex? You know, on a zero to ten scale. Um, you know, I, we we have this woman in our events call it. Uh, you know, we, she said the freaky scale. Uh-huh. We kind of laughed at that because men. You know, they understand what that is, mm-hmm. but if you don't sit there and talk about freaky to somebody, it's freaky to completely different to somebody else. So when you have to set those expectations up front, you have to have an understanding of what somebody's appetite is first. Number two, you have to find out what their expectations are, what turns them on physically, what turns them off, what are the things that you would like to see have happen intimately. And it's not always about the, the sex either, Lucia. It's the intimacy, you know, holding hands, you know, public displays of affection. Men are weird about that. So when you get, when you get that up on the table early on in your dating, you have a better understanding of what each other's sex expectations are. And you want to know that. We always say in the first six to eight weeks of dating, no doubt about it. Mm. Yeah, because as you said, eventually, because everyone's at 10 in the beginning, but then eventually it goes down to their normal That's levels. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, you have, you have life events. You, 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 whether it's stress, stress, stress events, you get married, you're in the honeymoon phase, you have kids, somebody loses their job. I mean, there's so many different life elements that will impact somebody's drive. But if you have a, a good, honest, open communication around your sex expectations, and that, by the way, doesn't stop just in that courting phase, it continues all the way into marriage. My wife and I have been married for um, six years now. We have these discussions all the time. We're expecting our second child here in the next uh, in the next month, actually. Yeah, so you can imagine our expectations are a little bit different right now than <laughs> they were five years ago. So it's important that everybody talk about these things, but have it as a continuous uh, communication loop. Okay, wonderful. So then let's moving on to another cha- chapter. Uh, things that men will never tell women. So what are some of these things? Well, you know, one of the, you know, feelings are, are a big part of it. You know, when, when you talk about, uh, you know, uh, the, we, have, we playfully call it the F word in our events, but there are certain things around feelings uh, that guys have a hard time talking about, and these things are uh, revolve around many different uh, conversations. There are levels of jealousy. You know, we have, of course, control issues. Control issues are often tied to jealousy. Men are not just going to come out and tell you those things, mm-hmm. but... It's important for a woman to understand if a, if a man has a, a jealous background, you know, he's got, you know, control issues um, in those emotions that he's kind of has pent up. And a lot of times women can smell that. I think women have a sixth sense early on in dating if, if a man is very controlling. But, again, you want to start having your radar up really high because men are typically not going to talk about those things. Uh, men definitely are not going to talk about uh, things around their past sexual experiences, uh, I think that's kind of a, I think that's on both sides of the fence. I think mm-hmm. both men and women, I think it's, you got to walk that line very delicately because that can, uh, that can bring up a whole slew of conversations, which could lead to jealousy and, uh, it, you know, number of partners you have. I mean, it could get, it could get, it could get ugly, but yeah. it's important to understand that the, these are conversations that are typically not going to come up. Um, a couple of the other ones, uh, the things that they do with their guy friends, uh, you know, we all we all love the movie The Hangover, and we laugh about it. I guess the the second movie's coming out here in the next month. Mm-hmm. You know, guys actually do that stuff. I mean, it's glorified in the movie, but when guys want to get away and go do things and, and go to the places that you don't think they're going, they're going to go there. But it, it's not about 
uh, it's not really about the fact that they're going there. It's just having honest communication about those things and rather than letting those things go unsaid because guys are not going to bring that stuff to the forefront unless, again, you, you follow some of our communication strategies and try to elicit some of that stuff out of men because what, what man's going to come out and want to talk about, you know, that big Vegas weekend getaway that they had with their buddies or that locker room talk that they had, you know, in that steam room, you know, after a, a long weekend. Yeah, maybe we don't want to know anyway, so it's better they not tell us. There is definitely a lot of that. I, I completely concur with you on that. And then you also mentioned the line. So what is the line? You know, the line is, is, um, is interesting. It's a phenomenon that we – and we Dan and I had both talked about this. with our. We've seen this both in ourselves as men, but we also saw this with our, our clients, our male clients we had interviewed. And we, when we did our research, we found that this was this is a widespread phenomenon, that men want to go out in their lives and stare at the line. The line – think of line as like the trust. You don't want to – when you cross the line with – with your with your lady, you've obviously stepped out of bounds. Think of it that way. You've you've made her now distrust you because you've cheated on her. You've done something you shouldn't do. Maybe you friended up an ex girlfriend on Facebook, and you know she didn't appreciate that. But the the line is always there. Guys want to go and stare at it. Guys always want to go and know that they're wanted. So when guys want to go out on a weekend, and I, it, it could be it could be some of your listeners could be in a relationship for three years, they're past the dating phase, you know, you're, you're, you're on the path to possibly being engaged and you're really involved in a relationship or you like the guy a lot, even if it's early on, the guy still has a tendency to want to go out there with his buddies. And he doesn't want to go with his buddies because he wants to cheat. It's because he wants to know that he still has the game, that he still has it in him, that he can still go out there and girls are going to talk to him and he's going to be wanted. Guys want the chase, at, you know, at the end of the day. So if a guy go, comes home on a Friday night with his buddies, and he feels like a couple of ladies, he, he could have, you know, got their phone number or maybe he feels like he could have taken them home. He got to walk up to the line without crossing it and go home and feel good about himself. Guys have this thing. And I think it's just important that women understand that you know, when their, their guy wants to go out and do these things, uh, it, it doesn't mean he's going to go breach, you know, the confidence of the trust. It just means he's going to go edify his ego. Ah, Okay. Uh, so it's almost like, let's say you're on a diet and you're not going to cheat, but you're going to walk by a bakery just to smell it. <laughs> that That's a great way of looking at it. That's a great way of looking at it. We want to stare at it. I mean, we want to look. You know, they always say they, they, that the grass is always greener, but we know how that whole saying goes. Guys want to still go out and look at the pasture. They may not run through it, but they want to go look at the pasture and see what's out there. People ask us all the time, to let you know, why is it that guys go to strip clubs? Right. And it's, it's real simple. Guys go to strip clubs because of the line. They want, to, they want that feeling for a half hour, an hour, even though we all know that, that that gal does not want him. She's getting paid. She's got a job to do. But the guy walks out getting the sense of feeling like, hey, I still got it, or she's into me, or see, I still have it. Or, you know, even though I'm maybe 15 pounds overweight and I'm 20 years older, you know, I was able to ha have a conversation with a 23-year-old hot girl. So it, it, a lot of women have a hard time understanding it when we talk about this in our live events, but when they just accept that that's just how guys are, we're wired to want to re-edify our very fragile male ego, and going over there and staring at the line sometimes helps that. And does that uh, happen, like, throughout their life, even if they've been married 10, 20 years? Yeah. It, it never stops. I mean, I, I would say, I shouldn't say never. I mean, I, I, my grandfather died at 90, and I, when I was writing the book, and he says, you know, Mike, he goes, you talked about this line thing, and i got to be honest, sir, I'm in this home. You know, Grandma passed away 13 years ago, and i got these ladies around me. It still feels good. Wow. <laughs>
<laughs> so I think it just changes. I think the line gets a little blurry as you get older. But um, I think yeah, the answer is yes. It's this is an innate thing that guys have, you know, as they as they grow, you know, grow into their relationships and get older. Right. Okay. So let's get into the NLP. So you mentioned right. using um, third-party stories in order to get information. So what is that? Okay. Great. So uh, let me let me give you the, the basis. The most simple way to understand uh, for the ladies out there, NLP is, is a science, actually. I don't need to get, you guys can Google it and find out what it's all about. But basically, think of it this way. Mind, language, patterns. That's the way we teach it. Mind, language, patterns. If you understand the mindset, you understand things come through language, whether it's self-talk or how you, the spoken word, and then you have patterns, programs. Patterns are things that we do every day. So when you understand that a guy has a mindset, he speaks a certain way around certain things or not, and he's got certain patterns that he has. He's derived these over the course of his lifetime. This is how we all are, male and female. But in our book, we're empowering women to understand the science so they can really peel the onion back and get into the man's head to start to uncover some of these tougher issues. So when you think of a conversation in terms of what we call a third-party strategy, instead of taking the direct approach, Let's say, let's say you're a gal and you know you're you're out there on the scene and you're literally out meeting guys. If you ask a guy a direct question like, "So, um, what's your opinion about uh, sex uh, in the dating phase? When and when is appropriate and how quickly should it happen?" Both men and women are not real comfortable with a direct question like that. Because it seems kind of odd. It's like, well, it's kind of personal. I'm just getting to know you. I'm not really sure if that's appropriate kind of question. So when you take an indirect approach by routing it through a third person, let me give you an example. So let's say you're, you want to ask the same question of a guy, but instead of asking him directly, let's say you're on like on a second date. This is a good example, mm-hmm. Jay. You're on a second date, and you're a lady, and you're dying to know what he believes about it. But instead of asking him directly, you bring it up through a third-party story. So it go like this. You're on your date. You say, so, you know, John, last week I was hanging out with my girlfriends, and they're all single, and they're all hanging out, and the conversation came up about when is it appropriate for people to have sex in the dating phase, and the women had so many different opinions because of the guys that they were talking to and the guys they're dating. I'd be curious, you know, when you get together with your guy friends, do you guys talk about those kind of things? Mm. That right there, boom, will bring up the discussion. He will bring it up. His beliefs will come out. His mindset will come out. And it's, it, it, it's comfortable because it's not direct. You made it sound as if, do your guy friends talk about it? Do you guys talk about this? Now, whatever he tells you, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Because what he's telling you is probably what he believes. He may even just offer it up and say, well, my belief is, well, he may not. He may say, well, we guys, when we get together in the locker room, we have a belief that, you know, you don't have sex until the fourth date. Okay, so here you are on your second date learning about this guy and his common friends and what their common belief system is. So it's always easier to use uh, a third-party story, whether it be a girlfriend told you or you're uh, one of my one of my favorite ones, Lucia, is you're watching television. Hey, you know what? Or listen to the radio. You know what? It's so funny. I was listening to Howard Stern the other day, and Howard was talking about X. What are your thoughts on that? See, now the person on the other side feels more comfortable to chime in because it's just a conversation, and Howard's the one that brought it up. He's the third party that brought up the discussion. So you're routing that controversial subject matter, that thing you're uncomfortable with, that you don't want to directly approach them with through a third party. And what it does is it softens the blow. The guy is more apt to lower his fragile ego and open up into a discussion about things he normally wouldn't talk about. 
Okay, so you give the example in the book about using it when a woman is sexually unsatisfied. So how would that work in that scenario? Okay, so example, um, I, I, I'll, I'll take away from a couple. I won't just use the one in the book, but okay. the um, so if, let's say the woman is not feeling satisfied in some way, and it doesn't have to be physical. Let's say she's not feeling appreciated. Um, she's not feeling like she's getting the intimacy or the attention that she wants. There, there's again, there's two approaches. There's a direct approach where you sit down with 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 Billy and say, Hey, Bill, um, lately my needs are not getting met. Now, as soon as you tell Billy that, his ego is going to go flying in the air. His, his, arm, his arms are going to go up and be defensive, and he's going to start defending himself first, number one. And number two, he's going to start telling you what you do wrong. Mm. So that's, that's, that's why that strategy doesn't work. So instead of go, taking the direct approach, use a third-party story. So I like to use um, friends are always a good example. So you might, you might be on a, on a date uh, with Billy who's not giving you your needs, and you might talk about a friend at work. And you might say something like, hey, you know, my girlfriend, Jane, that, that we hang out with every once in a while, her and her guy have been dating now for a few months. And just the last uh, couple months, he's not giving her any attention. Uh, you know, they used to kiss a lot. They used to hold hands in public. They used to have sex all the time. Now she feels like she's constantly forcing the issue. Let me ask you a question. If I was to give her some advice, what would you, tell, what would you think I should tell her from a guy's perspective? <laughs> That's brilliant. See, now he's going to tell you his opinion. <laughs> On how to coach your friend. Right. Now, here's what he's also telling you. He's also alerting himself because this is what we do subconsciously. When we hear subject matter, we put it through our own filters. And we're sitting there listening going, wow, I wonder if I do that. I wonder if I'm paying attention to her enough. I wonder if I was that guy who was giving her attention enough. Don't be surprised after that date if he's, he holds your hand when you walk out the door. Don't be surprised if he gives you a little bit more attention and love uh, that night. So what you can now do is use that, that jump-off point. That It's almost like that discussionary point because you're a friend at work and you ask his opinion on how would you advise your friend. You can use that as a segue into your own discussion. See, now it's like it almost becomes indirect, direct. Does that make sense, Lucia? So how would you do that? So a good segue would be, so let me ask you a question, hon. I mean, we've been dating a few times. Is there anything that I could do? This is the woman talking. Is there anything I can do in this relationship to, to be better in this relationship? Because I wouldn't want to be like my friend at work where maybe someone was talking about me like I wasn't giving you what you want. Is there anything I can do? Mm-hmm. See, what you do is you take the onus upon you. It's, what you're doing in this process, Lucia, is you're inducing what's called the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity is when you ask somebody, is there anything I could do better? Is there anything I can do for you? Naturally, the other person's going to, I mean, hopefully if it's the guy you want to stay with, he's doing the same thing. In fact, if he's smart, he should be asking you right after you ask him, hey, you know what, babe, since you ask, is, is there anything I could do? Is there anything maybe I don't want to be like that couple either? Is there something that maybe I could do better? Because I know maybe people have gotten comfortable, and I wouldn't want you talking about me at work like she's talking about her guy. Right. So using yourself as a, as a piece of feedback, is there anything I can do? What it does is it, it induces that reciprocation. So the guy is sitting there thinking, gosh, you know, I should probably check in on that. Now, here, here's a note, Lucia, we tell our, our ladies in our events. If he's not tuning in, in these particular conversations, that's a, that's a yellow flag. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a big yellow flag. If you've tried third-party third stories and he's just not checking in, he's not giving any input, if you ask you know, how to you know, be better and he's not asking you back, 
That's a yellow flag because he's sitting there making it all about him, and he's not willing to look inside the mirror for himself and say, hey, maybe I could be better in this relationship. Maybe she's cluing me in by asking me these third-party stories. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. Now, what about pre-framing? What is that? Okay, pre-framing. It's, again, another uh, technique, and it's a a communication tool to when you have a big issue or – Think of it as something that is either controversial, something that's difficult to talk about, or something that's contentious. Just anything that would be challenging. I kind of we all we put it in a bucket called anything that could be challenging. What you want to do is you want to you want to attack that issue right up front. You want to deal with it. We have we have this uh, playful way of saying you know kill the monster while it's small. Right. Yes. So if you what's that? Yeah, I say kill them while they're young. Yeah, well, you, you get the point. I mean, what you want to do is you want to get it early on so you can you can set the stage. So there's many, many, many ways to preframe. I mean, we literally do a whole four-hour segment on, on communication and preframing, but let me give you some examples um, that would be apropos. So let's say if you're uh, from, from a single lady, singles lady's perspective, um, you're letting a guy know this is what we call a positive preframe. So let's say you're on the phone and you're about to go on a date. Letting the guy know up front, let's say he's kind of having a rough day or he's having a rough week and you're maybe concerned that the date's not going to go the way you want it to go or something could be you know, challenging in some way. As a lady, you could let him know on the phone and say, you know what, I'm really looking forward to tonight. Tonight's going to be amazing. It's going to be such a great uh, day for us. We're going, to com- we're going to communicate and connect really well and it's going to be a really great night together. See, now well, here's what you've done. The date hasn't even happened, so it's happened before. That's the word pre. Mm-hmm. You've framed up the night on how it's going to go. So this guy who maybe is tired or he's not in a good mood or he's had a rough week who might even think about canceling the date or he may be thinking about, well, let's just continue the date because I committed to it. You've now changed his whole paradigm because you've told him up front how the date's going to go. Now his ears have perked up and he's thinking, hmm, wonder what she's got up her sleeve. So all of a sudden that, that rough week or maybe that challenging times that he's going through aren't so challenging or, or rough, he's now thinking about that date in a completely different way. So that's, that would be an example, example of a positive preframe. Um, another example would be, let's say you're having a really tough conversation. Let's say you're dating and you want to have a big conversation with your, with your guy. And let's say it's about communication or his feelings. He's kind of playing that the typical guy. He's bottling up his feelings, and he's not really opening up to you. Mm-hmm. When you sit down and you talk to a man in that situation, you let him know right up front. You say, you know what, honey, I want to let you know I really care about you, uh, and I really, I really want to communicate with you in a way that no one else, has ha- no one else has. So anything you tell me, I, I'm non-judgmental. I just want to see if we can, you know, make sure we can get on the same page. But I want you to know where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a loving place. See, now you've pre-framed him. You've let him know that the conversation you're about to have, even though it's challenging and you want to get some things out of him, you're letting him know up front where you're coming from. So anytime you can set the stage is another way of thinking. Anytime you can set the stage to a date, to a conversation, um, to, a, to, a, to an argument. I mean, let's say you're, gonna, you're in the middle of an argument, and if you let somebody know, you know where you're coming from up front, what you're doing is you're taking away the potential uh, for them to walk away and give that conversation a completely different meaning. You want them to give it a meaning that is in line with what you intended. So let people know right up front what is your intention, what is your outcome. Where are you coming from? And when you let guys know that especially, it helps lower that fragile ego and they're more apt to communicate with you. So let's say that the guy is rushing foreplay. 
what would mm-hmm. the, what would the woman say? Well, I mean, if you're going to use the if you're using preframing, preframing assumes that she shouldn't get that situation in the first place. So she should she should I'll give you two scenarios. Okay. She should already somewhere in the dating preframe him before they ever get intimate how she wants things to go. Oh. So let's say they're on their second or third or fourth date. Somewhere in that conversation or the dating, she should preframe him and let him know, you know what, one thing I want to let you know right, right up front is I really, really, really love foreplay. In fact, I have a rule of thumb. If, we, if we're not engaged in foreplay for at least 15 minutes, and I'm not counting the clock, but 15 minutes of foreplay completely turns me on. Okay, now if a guy knew that up front, let me tell you, guys love to turn women on, period. Mm-hmm. And if a guy learned that on the second and third date, even before they've been intimate, he will never forget that comment. It'll be stuck in his brain, so when they are intimate, he will likely not rush. See, that's the whole point of preframing. Preframing takes those problems away. Now, let's go back to your scenario. Let's say you forgot to preframe, mm. so now, now you're here in the middle of the situation, and you're kicking yourself. Because you're thinking, gosh, I should have listened to Mike and preframe this thing, but I didn't. Now I'm in it. Now you need to do what's called a reframe. You need to reframe that situation. So you need to pump the brakes in that situation. And you need to just in a very comfortable, intimate way, you just look at him in, in, you know, in almost in that sauntery voice and say, you know what really turns me on? If we could really engage in floor play, because it'll really, really take me to a whole nother level. See, what I just said, by the way, Lucia, a lot of women aren't comfortable saying. Mm. It take, a lot of people say it takes a comfortable woman or a confident woman to say that, and there's partial truth in that. But here's our argument, and we say this in the book. It, everything starts and stops with a woman. A woman can start and stop anything at a given time. We have laws in this country to protect women to that regard. So when you're in a situation and a man is not doing it the way you want or he's rushing into things mm. – Take it upon yourself. You have the power in that situation to pump those brakes and, and back off and say, look, you know what would really turn me on if you did X, Y, Z, and ABC? And let me tell you, a lot of the guys we researched for the book, men up on the majority love a woman who knows exactly what she wants. So if a woman were to reframe that situation and make sure that she's getting more foreplay or whatever the situation might be, it's, gonna, it's always going to work in her favor because she's telling the guy exactly what she wants. Guys love that. Okay, so let's take another scenario, and I don't know which right. which NLP technique we would use for this, but this happens a lot. Um, let's say a guy says he's going to call, you know, I'll call you tomorrow at 8, whatever, and then he doesn't. So how can the woman bring it up and, you know, let him know that if he doesn't keep his word about calling when he says he will, that's going to start to uh, destroy any trust that he has built up with her? Yep. So, so again, that's a preframe. So what you do, we, we, we coach all of our ladies and our guys, by the way, on this one, because this is a big issue. We tell our ladies, it's funny, I just had a client situation last week where they were going to go on their first date, and she was, she called me up. And she goes, all right, walk, walk me through those preframes again. I want to make sure I get these at the end of the night. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was a big one. Yeah. So it goes, it goes like this. You have a nice date. And this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the woman here for a second, of course. Um, so towards the end of the date, you, you could do a third-party story, or you could do, and you could preframe. You could do both all wrapped in one. So it goes like this. So let's say the guy's name is Mike. So you say, you know, Mike, I've had a really great night, great night tonight. Really enjoyed. You know, thanks for picking up dinner. And uh, one thing I wanted to share with you right up front. I have a lot of girlfriends. In fact, just last week I was talking to my friend Christina, and she wanted a great date, kind of a lot like this. And at the end of the night, um, she thought that she was going to look forward to hearing from this guy, you know, and the guy never called me back. So you don't seem like the kind of guy that would do that. 
you seem like a man of your word. You seem really integrous, and you seem like a, a guy based on off tonight's conversations. Uh, and he even said that you look forward to getting together again. So let me ask you a question: Do you plan on uh, us having a conversation again? Wow! Boom! Hit it right between the eyes. Now let me tell you. We have a lot of guys, and we've, we've had radio call-in shows where guys will go at Dan and I and say, guys, you're selling us out. And I said, no, no, I'm going to call you out, buddy, because you're being a chump. Mm. You're playing those old-school rules. If you're not into it, be playful but nice about it right up front. Don't play these games and say you're going to call her and not call her because that's called being a liar. So we tell our ladies, pre-frame the heck out of it at the end of that night by letting him know and remind him, look, you seem like a really honest guy. You seem like a man of your word. I've had a really nice time. You said uh, tonight that you'd look forward to seeing me again, and you know what? I believe you. And like my friend Christina, who had a guy who didn't call her, I, I know you wouldn't do that to me, right? Wow. Oh. Boom, now you're tying him down. So now you have a higher probability the next day because what we, the, one of the biggest, uh, most powerful behavioral things that happens with us as people, Lucia, is every day we wake up. We want to act, make, behave, and make decisions according to how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want what we wear, what we dress, the people we hang around, all the filters that we make life decisions around. We're going to make decisions because we want to, we want to be congruent with ourselves. So when somebody tells you they see you as honest, when somebody tells you that you're a man of your word, when somebody tells you that you believe them, what you're doing is you're tying their, that guy's identity to those three things. So when he wakes up the next day, he wants to act in accordance with that because he knows you see him that way. See, but if you don't pre-frame that and you don't communicate that up front on that date, he may just, like most guys, he'll wake up and go, well, I don't know, I just, I'm not really that into her. See, guys are terrible at, at, at bowing out. Guys are terrible at the exit. Uh-huh. You know, if guys are not interested, there's lots. Of, we have a couple of good strategies in the book for, for ladies to you know pay attention to, and we teach this to a guys in the event. Don't lie to a woman. Be honest, but don't don't break her spirit at the same time. It, it's one thing to to a lady let a gal know at the end of the night. So, you know, I've ever had a really nice time. Um, I really like connecting with her. You know, I really enjoy us to get together sometime in the near future and do some fun things together. Now, by the way, when when a woman hears that. That's a, that's a guy's nice way of saying, I want to be friends with you. Mm. Now, if a guy can say, look, we should be friends, but women, th- women in this day and age, that, like, that breaks a woman's spirit. So it's another thing to say, hey, look, I really enjoy your company. I have a lot of fun with you. And sometime in the very near future, I'd love to do some fun things together with you again. I mean, that, we teach guys, you know, do, say things in a nice way, but be authentic and honest. Don't lie to her, number one, don't break her spirit, number two. And don't run from her, number three, which is the typical, you know, I'm going to call you, but then you don't. That is just, that's chump change, it's, 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 especially in 2011. I mean, we've, we've evolved past, you know, the old chivalrous gentlemanly days, and now we've got technology and, you know, tweeting and Facebooking and, and you know, text messaging and all these terrible ways that, that have broken our communication channels down between male and female. So, you know, we teach the guys, look, pick up the phone. Don't text her. Don't run her Facebook wall. Call her the next day and you let her know how much you cared for her. Let her know what you look forward to seeing her and schedule something. Don't call her on Friday night and say, hey, what are you doing tonight? And by the way, that sends the wrong message to the lady. If you get that call on Friday night, ladies, don't go out with them. You're, you're the last option. Absolutely. So uh, just so continuing on with the phone call thing, what about so another scenario, let's say they are uh, they've been dating for a while, whatever. And he says he's going to call 
and then he doesn't, then what should she have done beforehand? What would the preframe look like in that instance? Well, throughout you, you, preframing doesn't stop. I mean, you always continue to frame things up. You know, you you want to let you want to let the guy know that one of your values is communication. Mm-hmm. If, if that's truly the case, let you if you really value communication and getting back to people quickly, let him know that all the time. Say, so, you know what? Look, we, I love it when you get back to me right away. I don't need to talk to you four times a day. I work, you work. But all I ask is you just get back to me sometime the next day. I mean, come on. You can text me. Just let me know how things are going, that we can connect so we can find out what's going on. If the guy has gone completely radio silent in an AWOL, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. So that's a guy's, again, it's a chump change and immature way of not you know, confronting the real issue. And saying that he's just not that into you. So that's how guys, unfortunately, that's how they do it these days. They just don't call. So you want to continually frame up how important communication is to you. Set standards. You know, we, we love that. And similar to expectations, mm-hmm. set expectations. How often somebody should get back to you. I do it with my clients, Lucia. I, I tell my clients, look, if you get back, if you call me today, I may or may not be able to get back to you during business hours because I have you know, clients all over the country. But I promise you I'll get back to you today. I may leave you a voicemail at 10 o'clock at night. I'll email you, but I promise you I'll get back to you today. I set that expectation with my clients. So I'm always framing that up with my clients. So my clients always know that if they want to reach out to me for anything, that Mike's going to get back to them because I've set that expectation. Similarly, in the dating dance, you've got to set those communication expectations with your guy continuously. Wow. Um, okay, What? one more. What about, like, you know, sometimes guys will, like, to start to pull away and uh, women, they don't know if they should say something or not say anything. They don't know what to say. So, again, how do they preempt that? Yeah, so one thing we, we do is called a mind read. A mind read is when you feel as you're getting that sense, and everybody has that sense. Yes. You know, you get the sense that he's pulling away or he's just not, he's not doing the things he used to do. Right. So you, you do it in what we call, we have this, you know, I have this thing called peacetime and wartime. Your best communication happens in peacetime. Peacetime is when you're on a date. It's when you're on a run, you're climbing, you're having a glass of wine together. It's not in bed after sex or before sex. It's not during a fight. It's not over the phone, by the way. Mm -hmm. Definitely not on Facebook or on text messaging. Mm -hmm. That's a no-no or email. It's face-to-face during peacetime when you have that moment when he's probably least expecting it, when you say you let him know and say, you know what? Hey, John, lately I've just been getting these feelings. Now, remember, it's important to note this. People are never wrong in their feelings, Mm -hmm. period. You're never wrong in your feelings. When you feel something, it's a real thing to you. Even if it's illogical, it's still a feeling, and you're right in your own feelings. So communicating to him through your own feelings by letting him know. Say, look, I've been having these feelings lately, and I'm getting this sense that maybe you're pulling away or, or maybe you have something on your mind, but it just seems like maybe in the last couple months um, things haven't been what they used to be. I just want to have an open communication with you about them. Just see what's going on. See, now notice the last question. It's Mm open-ended. I wanted to see what's going on. What's up? See, these are very general open-ended questions. Guys love general open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. When you confront us (laughs) or you ask us what's wrong, we hate that because now we're focusing on what's wrong. Don't ask us what's wrong, just like ladies. Ladies, my wife hates when I ask her what's wrong. Right. Because now you've got them focusing on what's wrong. So ask the question of what's going on. What's happening? What's going on in your mind lately? I just wanted to check in with you. It just seems like there's been a lot going on. I'm not, I'm not looking in the mirror and, and saying it has anything to do with me. I, just, I get the sense, knowing you the last couple months, uh, that you just haven't been acting the same way. What's going on? 
See, that's, that's more likely to draw him out. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to go flooding out his feelings, but he's more apt because he's more comfortable because you've routed that communication, not with what's wrong with you, but, hey, here's how I feel and what I've sensed from you in the last couple of months. One. So you've taken the onus off of his fragile ego and you've brought it on yourself. Yes. Okay. We only have a little bit of time left, believe it or not. Yeah. I, you have You have energy like uh, Tony Robbins, you know. <laughs> I, I guess apples don't fall too far from the tree. I, know, I appreciate I feel that. I'm like I'm on the phone with him. Um, so we, we better talk about cheating here since I promised yep, it. Yep. Um, so why do men cheat? Okay. So one of the things that we were really surprised about in our research, and this was more of our purposeful research, not our covert operation stuff. Um, we did we we did set out and ask a lot of guys, you know, why is it, um, whether it's dating um, just think of all men, dating, marriages, relationship, doesn't matter. Guys in general, if they're going to step out of bounds and cheat, you know, what is the trigger? What's the, what's the impetus? We have, we have thought uh, as guys just kind of preliminarily had a lot to do with sex and things that were very innate in men. Um, a great book for ladies to read, by the way. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've uh, done this in any interviews in the past, Lucia, but uh, it's called The Male Brain by Luann Brizendine. Okay. It's a great book. It's a, I mean, it's great for any woman to read. I read it. I was blown away. She, she comes at it from a doctor's perspective. She talks about a lot of biology of a man's brain. I mean, literally goes into chemical analysis and, and you know, childhood and boyhood and how men become what they, what they are. So when you read these things, you, you get this belief that guys just have this innate thing to want to, they want to, um, you know, as, as they say, they want to spread their seed. They want to go out there and they want to have offspring and they want to populate the earth. I mean, dating all the way back to the, as she says, the caveman days. But that's not true. I mean, there might be truth in that part of biologically. But the reason why men cheat is because they, are, they feel underappreciated. Mm. Underappreciated was the number one reason that uh, a man was going to go out and cheat. Now, one, one thing we also noted was that, uh, of course, women are cheaters as well. Men cheat with higher frequency. Men cheat uh, physically more often than women do. Women, on the other hand, cheat emotionally. Right. So, so women may not go out and have sex with a complete stranger. They may have a, a colleague at work who is being a very good listener during mm -hmm. a tough time. So they're going to lunch with that person, and they're, they're you know, downloading their issues with that person. The person is being very comforting to them. Uh, I have a client right now. Uh, they have two kids. They've been married 17 years, and she swears up and down that she's never had sex with this guy or had anything intimate, but he's been able to see uh, about uh, eight months of text messaging and phone calls and lunch dates. And after he called her out on it, you know, and through a couple counseling sessions, she came out and said, look, at home, I just I feel like you don't listen to me. I'm going through stress in my life, and this guy has offered me uh, just a lot of really good advice, and actually has helped me in this marriage. Uh, without this guy, I don't think I'd still be married yet. Is what she said. Wow. So there's two different cheaters on this, but when you talk about guys, this this feeling of being underappreciated can be circumvented, or or even as we've been talking about preframed. If you if you just frame up in your mind as a woman that a guy constantly needs reinforcement. He needs appreciation, and he wants to feel like, this is our term, he wants to feel like he's the man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and it's, it's real simple to make him feel like he's the man. And it's not about sex, and it's not about doing things in the bedroom. That's only a very, very small fraction of it. It's letting him know that you appreciate him. Guys actually love it when you say things like, you know what, honey? You work so hard, and you are so good at what you do. I just want to let you know how much I respect what you do. 
that would go so far in a guy's mind compared to a 10 minutes of sex because a guy's ego constantly needs to be fed. I mean, as you probably saw, Lucia, half this book talks about the fragile male ego. Yes. Egos are, our egos are extremely fragile. So a lot of women don't believe that. They think, you know, egos mean, you know, pop your chest out there and beat on it and talk about all the material things you have and, you know, and how, how, how much of a stud you are. That's, that's just a, that's a facade. What's underneath all that stuff is this guy inside who is screaming for, acknowledge me. Tell me I'm the man. Compliment me. Tell me I look good. You know, I've been going to the gym a week in a row, and, uh, you know, two weeks straight, and I've lost two pounds. Even if you don't notice it, tell me you, that I look good. Tell me you notice that my six-pack's coming up a little bit more, even if it's not ripped out, you know, like the guys on the front of GQ. Just these little tiny things that women can do that will help preempt a guy from going out there and not just staring at that line but crossing that line because if a guy is not feeling appreciated, and as we say, he's not getting his, his fundamental human desires met. Mm-hmm. He will go find them. He will go find them. He will, and it's usually, believe it or not, ladies, it's with somebody who he has no love for mm-hmm. whatsoever. I know women have a really, really hard time with that in our, in our, our uh, weekend getaways and seminars. We have women that's controversial. They'll raise their hand and say, I don't understand how my man could tell me he loves me and he could go away on a trip and have sex with a total stranger. That is really easy for a guy. Because guys can compartmentalize something like that because in their mind, that was just an outlet for them for one evening to go get their human needs met because they felt acknowledged. They felt they were being appreciated. This woman gave him uh, compliments. She told him how he looked good in his suit or how great he looked on stage at that conference as a speaker. And yet his girlfriend hasn't even been telling him that for the last three years. So you have to really look at it through the filter of, am I doing the best I can to tell my man how much I appreciate him and help him stay on that pedestal just as much ladies as you want to be put on that pedestal? Because ladies are just the same. They just want it a little bit differently, more from an emotional perspective. Um, Okay. Anything else? Any other uh, phrases we can use to build up their ego? Um, You know, the the compliments, uh, complimentary things around their work, their achievements, and their body. Mm. Those are the three things. If you can just come up with compliments in those three main areas, you know, again, the, comp- the accomplishments and, and work, to, you know, acknowledging how hard they work or, you know, how good they are at something, you, the guys really feel like their egos or their identities a lot of times are fed through one of those three things. I mean, as we all know, of course, unfortunately in our culture, men use money, you know, as their easy way out. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how a guy could be 80 pounds overweight and look totally slovenly, but he's a millionaire and he gets hot chicks. But if you take a woman and you put her 80 pounds overweight and slovenly with money, guys aren't going to look at her. Right. It's completely unfair, but that's just the way our society has become because guys tie their identity to money, their career, their achievements, and their body. So when you can find complimentary things or acknowledgments in a few of those areas, you're going to go a long way. I mean, obviously the sex is great. I mean, that's, a, that's just, that's only part of it. If a guy's getting sex every other day, but he feels like you never appreciate what he does because, you know, maybe he provides or maybe he's bought you nice things and you never say thank you, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that sex is going to go away very quickly. Ah, so he's going to want to not have it as much sex with Correct. Him. He'll, he'll pull away. Wow. Because he feels, he feels like you're not appreciative. Wow. See, that's so, you know, mind-boggling because we just figure men will take sex whenever they can. 
Well, he will. <laughs> but we want to be appreciated at the same time. That's the whole fragile ego. Remember, I mean, let's say let's say you have sex every every other day, hypothetically, and you know your sessions are twenty minutes. That's only twenty minutes of his ego being fed. He spends, you know, if he works, you know, like most men do, he's working sixty eighty hours a week. Sixty to eighty hours of his week, he's in the realm of being the CEO or being the top salesperson or being a manager of a team. Um, so he wants to be acknowledged about those things he's spending the most time doing. Being a father is a good example. I mean, you're a father 100% of the time. If you haven't told your husband, hey, you're an amazing father in a long time, or you're a great husband, let me tell you, that sex will only get you so far every other day. Because the guy is dying to hear how much of a great father he is, or thank you so much for, you know, honey, allowing me to stay home with the kids while you go hard, work hard for 80 hours a week, you know, in that situation. Wow. Okay. Wonderful. So it's the end. Man, this went by so quickly because you talk so fast. I know. I, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> Sorry. We flew by. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so you said you've got something going on in Vegas. What is that? Yeah, so we have, um, if you go to our website, askdanandmike.com, of course, you can get our book there. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle as a download. Um, but our Vegas getaway, we have two different uh, getaways. The one we just did last weekend, um, the ladies' weekend getaway. Uh, just think of just think of like a, a fun weekend in Vegas. We did the last weekend we did at the Bellagio Hotel. Uh, we had women from all over North America. A lot of Canadian women actually um, came down to our event. So we have this whole action-packed lineup of fun things that we do. And I don't want to give away too much of the fun stuff. We want to surprise you at different turns. But leave it to say that we're going to do it VIP style. But what Dean and I do on both uh, Friday nights and on Saturday late afternoons is we have this session with you. We have we get this penthouse. We have all the ladies come in. We have, you know, hors d'oeuvres, cocktails, lounge around. So don't think of a conference or a seminar. That's exactly what you don't want you thinking. We want you lounging in a penthouse, you know, top Vegas with a cocktail in your hand where you feel like you can sit around and relax and be yourself and, and just have an open, honest discussion around the things that matter most to you. It's amazing when you get 25 women from all over the country, all over the world, mm-hmm. in a relaxed environment like that, Lucia, and they can just let it rip. There's no guys in there to judge them. They, they connect well with the other ladies very quickly. We found the ladies really bonded really quick because a lot of people have things in common. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is our chance to um, bring to life these contents that we talked about on this on this interview today. Really, how to communicate effectively with a guy. We have a couple of guest speakers come in um, to really liven it up, and it's really entertaining. We call it call it edutainment. You know, we're gonna educate you and entertain you at the same time. That's why I love it. At the beginning of your segment, you talk about entertaining, educating, and enlightening. I mean, that's pretty much what our Vegas getaway is all about. So it's a two-night um, weekend getaway in Vegas. And of course, who doesn't like going to Vegas for a fun weekend anyway, right? That's right. I love it. Okay. So we have our next ones will be coming up this summer. Uh, tune in. We're actually polishing up our new website. It will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. But you can always go to Ask Dan and Mike for our future events. Uh, we're going to have at least uh, three or four more between now and the end of the year. I'm very excited about Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. It was enlightening. <laughs> I, it, was, uh, it was educating to sit here and listen to your questions, too, because you represent such a, a great you know, segment of, of women out there, single women out there that are, that are dying to know these questions. So it's always great when you have a, a figurehead, someone who's really a powerhouse that can bring these to the forefront. So your questions were very good, and I appreciate you bringing these up because these are the kind of things that do come up in our live events. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Take care. Okay, Lucia, well, okay, until the next time, let us know when you want us in next time. Dan Absolutely. and I can join together. Absolutely. That'd be great. Okay, okay. Have a great Mother's Day, everybody. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow.
okay, he's a whirlwind of energy. <laughs> I'm worn out just listening, <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, so uh, my website is theartoflove.net, where you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter. I have my book, Lucia's Lessons of Love, at lessonsoflove.net. And until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.